It's a multi-part. It's a multi-parter. Hello and welcome back to Tangent Space. I'm John K. Hyas. And I'm Brandon Anderson. So in this episode, we're going to talk about some recent superhero-related stuff. Uh, not your usual Marvel smash, bang, blow up the world kind of stuff, but um, the recent HBO Watchmen series, which concluded in the winter or spring, it was earlier this year, um, and it's gotten quite a few awards recently. And uh, The Boys, so the second season on Amazon, just finished. Briefly, Watchmen is based on the graphic novel, well, it's a continuation of the graphic novel from Alan Moore and Gibson, uh, back from 1988 or 89, Mm. Um, and it's famously been very contentious with the rights around it and Alan Moore and the movie that was made and continuations in comics recently, so Alan Moore's kind of detached his name from it, you won't see it in the the credits, Uh, but HBO decided to do a continuation um, so not a remake or going over the graphic novel, but kind of present day and kind of trying to extend the issues that the creator saw in the Watchmen comic to modern day. So uh, Lindenloff is the creator, writer of the HBO series, is known for doing Lost, uh, The Leftovers, right. a few other things. Uh, and The Boys is also a, as far as I know, it's just an ad- adaptation of the comic and graphic novel. Um, yeah, I think, I think so. from uh, Ennis and someone, so one of the writers from Preacher, which was also a TV series and a comic series from the, I think, mid-90s, mid or late-90s. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like it was kind of an answer. Or I don't know if it's one of those things that was just in the air. So both companies, HBO and Amazon, decided to do it at the same time, or if one was sort of an answer to the other, I don't know. But really, yeah, it... I feel like that was a sort of needed statement right now, Mm -hmm. this kind of like anti-superhero thing that needed to be said, and people wanted to hear that. And I think it says a lot about, you know, where we are societally or, you know, maybe, I mean, it's simplest just that everyone was sick of 400 Marvel movies. I mean, (laughs) they make all the money, so... Yeah, it's true. But I think it might actually be deeper than that. I'm kind of interested to talk about why those are so popular now. What's up with this like trashing superheroes thing? Yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't know much about uh, The Boys, the the graphic novel. Watchmen, um, for those of you who haven't read it, highly recommend it. It's a great graphic novel. It's kind of known for putting like some depth and kind of adult nature to comics in that it wasn't simplistic mm-hmm. stories about superheroes. So when this came out in the 80s, it was kind of heralded and, and critically claimed, and, and people really loved it because it added like a depth to superheroes, making them you know real characters with flaws. And a lot of what Alan Moore is doing in Watchmen is trying to expose how crazy the idea of superheroes were. Right and right. you know the idea of justice and fascism and vigilantes yeah, and on. you know just trying to see like what would the world actually be like right if there were actual people doing this right not these kind of mythical superheroes um, and I think the boys kind of seems in a similar sense written you know much later but also taking a critical view of like what do people do with crazy powers what do corporations do you know when right. these are people that you can market and take advantage of right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm assuming most people that are listening have watched or read at least some of these, but 
I don't want to like spoil everything or get into the whole plot. I mean, maybe we will, but yeah, the main thing really, it's just very dark. Like, like John's saying, like all the superheroes uh, are super flawed. Some are just like straight bad. Mm -hmm. None of them is painted in a very clean, good light. And, and it really feels like a, like a statement that, that this naive sort of will all be saved by Superman kind of thing was just wrong and <laughs> like a misguided juvenile fantasy. Yeah. It also reminds me of, have you seen the SNBC comic theater back when they had it? I guess it doesn't exist too much anymore. Uh, and they had these little kind of sketches um, on YouTube or uh, mm. yeah, some Vimeo maybe it was kind of years back, but there was a bunch of them with like superheroes doing press conferences like Batman or Superman. And a lot of times okay. they were pretty ridiculous, like Superman, you know, going on about saving people, but also being like a real asshole right. and just like, what are you going to do? I'm just going to melt you. It doesn't matter. Like it was <laughs> very much like reminds me <laughs> now that I think about it, of the boys and these right. kind of, what, how do you stand up to Superman, mm. right? Like if Superman wants to be a dick. You just right. have to live with it. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know. So I got kind of a, yeah, we can get all kind of details, but yeah, like a working theory of what like, why did we, I think the answer to why we needed an anti-superhero statement, sort of, you have to think about first why we wanted a giant superhero glut in the first place. Mm. Like, why were people so into those Marvel movies? Like, why, I mean, we're still making them. We're basically stopped by COVID, uh, I guess, but otherwise, there's just an endless appetite for this stuff. And trying to think about why that is. And I don't know, my first real instinct about it is that it's like reassuring people about the the existence of real power dynamics so in all these superhero stories right the main idea right is that there's some crazy disparate distribution of power mm -hmm. it's all about some people are super and some people are not right some have abilities and are basically gods among people right and and all of these Marvel movies, for the most part, are very reassuring in that respect, that it's like, it's okay for people to have way crazy power because they're benevolent. And, you know, whatever, they're not going to go crazy. Iron Man's not going to blow up the earth. He's going to protect it. He's going to do the right thing. He remains like a moral person in spite of having like godlike power. And And I think there's part of society that realizes we have disparity like that. And wants to feel like it's okay. Like, A, you want to feel like the people that are already powerful are not going to destroy you. And B, you want to feel like it's okay to seek that kind of power because it doesn't make you inherently bad. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I feel, yeah, it's really just emollient for, like, uh, dealing with a, a, a society that is obviously full of superheroes, right? But just not in the flashy sci-fi way, you know? It's just people with deep, deep pockets, <laughs> Yeah, that's. I think that's a pretty interesting, like, lens to view that, right? And what does it mean to have people that are special or different? Uh, I mean, other comics have dealt with this, like X Men has done with it in terms right. of thinking of mutants and paralleling that with, uh, right. you know, underprivileged classes or races. That's true. And dealing with it that way, and um, you know, kind of in the. I think when they did that's it true. better was dealing with stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, still there's that kind of good evil. You know, there's good people of superheroes. They should be allowed to do what they do and stop the bad people, right? right? Like we need right. the good people because the bad people exist. Uh, which is, yeah, it's definitely easy to draw some analogies there. 
Um, yeah. 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 That's, I mean, it's fair. There, there are a lot that are like trying to say you, people may look down on you or say that you're powerless, but you really do have uniqueness and power and, Mm -hmm. and to try and empower people who are like, yeah, marginalized or whatever. I mean, that's like, yeah, for sure. The X-Men sort of take, but yeah, I feel like that was kind of how we started. Like X-Men felt like the beginning of the superhero wave. Right. And then it it switched over. Yeah. To the like much grander scale, much, I mean, maybe that's just a natural sort of like, you got to up the ante as you make sequels kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like every new superhero had to have more and more godlike powers and deal with more Some power creep. Yeah, exactly. Epic stuff. But I don't know. It did. It freaked me out. And I, I remember starting to think about this with the, uh, maybe we mentioned this on the show with um, Wonder Woman. And I remember seeing Wonder Woman. It was like one of the last ones of these that I actually watched. And feeling like weirdly reassured with her having all this power. Like I wasn't, I I felt for for some reason more comfortable with it than a dude having (laughs) this much power. I don't know if it was just her or if it was dudes and women. I don't, I don't actually know, but like for some reason, like watching that made me realize that I was sort of uncomfortable in other superhero movies Mm -hmm. because of the, the like, possibility of these people going crazy with so much power it like it kind of freaks me out on some level and for some reason she was extra reassuring and I don't know if that's like because I've seen a lot of men go crazy with power or because I don't believe women could have power or like there's some <laughs> horrible like built-in sexism I don't know I don't know but yeah, yeah. Well, and that got me thinking about it yeah yeah well, that's an interesting point I think um yeah even though there's been female superheroes or characters in these movies that are female that are strong and you know have major parts it hasn't centered as much until you got wonder woman which was a big you know big deal for mm-hmm. for good reason it was a you know good movie for, for a lot of reasons i think and definitely played on that and looked at those kind of gender differences um but i think yeah maybe maybe we're also getting at it's just that if you, the world is scarier when you know with men men commit more crimes and do more right? bad things <laughs> Um, that's yeah. just that's just, just the way it works, fact. right? Doesn't mean men <laughs> yeah. are inherently worse. We can debate that, of course. Um, <laughs> but that's what you see, right? That's going to be right. who commits more violent crime, who causes you know a lot right. of problems, and for whatever reasons. Um, mm-hmm. So that's yeah, interesting. To think about the angle of okay, what does it mean to have a woman who has more power when you right. kind of flip those typical yeah. gender norms? Yeah, yeah um, I guess. I mean, there's a good, yeah, we can, we can do a specific here finally, maybe, uh, but in, in the boys, right. There's Homelander, who's the main, uh, like corporate Superman. poster boy, Superman, who is just terrifying, right? Like that guy, yeah. every second he's on screen, you're worried that he's going to lose right. his mind just and kill, kill everyone. Yep. Right. Like, yeah. And it is a really good way, I think for privileged people or men or whatever to like, start to feel what other people feel. Right sometimes a woman might feel like that when there's just men around or, you know, uh, and it's, it's a good way to see through that lens, right? Being around mm-hmm. Homelander is kind of the way some people feel around other people already in society. Yeah, nothing you, know? you can like, do. They could just completely destroy things or you're completely yeah. powerless. Right. And you're not even seeing. Yeah. And it's horrible. And that's how you just feel all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's a thing that you miss if you are really privileged, right? Like you'd never really had to deal with that feeling much. 
And you really see the effects of him too on the people around. Like this is like all people talk about microaggressions and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like they see micro, right? But when there is really that threat behind it, they take on so much more weight, right? You see the like assistant lady just her hair falling out oh, yeah, and yeah. like completely a mess, right? Just from being around this guy all the time, right? Like it's crazy. And we, we I mean, these people exist, right? These are the you know, multi-billionaires of the world, Mm -hmm. they can do whatever they want. And they, they maybe seem sort of benevolent. Like some of them come off that way or they certainly like to project that Bill Gates, right? Right. The dude is out there giving money to everything all the time, really wants to like seem like a charitable guy. But is that even possible? Can you say those things in the same sentence? The the person is good and, (laughs) That has power beyond reckoning. Right. You know, right. like, I, I don't know that those can coexist. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I, I see it also as, like, what did someone have to do to get that kind of power or that kind of money, whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. it doesn't just, yeah, you don't get to be a billionaire because you're a great person. That's not how it mm-hmm. works, right? Not this that you true. have to be a terrible person. But you had to have been kind of ruthless when you need to be competitive, like out there mm-hmm. to accumulate that wealth, right? If you weren't right. trying to do that, you wouldn't have gotten it, right? You would just be right. given away, you'd be living, you decide, oh, I have enough money, I can put this away for my kids, give the rest away, whatever, pay my employees more. But no, you're mm-hmm. just like chasing that increasing number. So like maybe the question is more, if you become a billionaire, whatever, world leader, mm-hmm. CEO, whatever, what is that, you know, like, how did you get to that point? What kind of qualities come there? And I know they've studied a little bit of looking mm. if if you're more likely to have um, right sociopathic personality qualities yeah, as CEOs. And I think mm. people like popularly say like, yes, they're helpful. The most recent study I saw saw kind of like a mix. It wasn't looking at CEOs, looking at I think management or like people as they move in their careers, and saw mm-hmm. yes, there's some help from being a little bit of selfish, a little bit of competitive, right. but it was also offset by then not working well with others and. Not being right. you know a nice person, uh, and so it kind of ended up a wash. I think at best, it didn't really seem to help. Um, but that was like a mid level, right? I guess they're also taller, which could also mean that being taller makes you psychopathic. Uh, for our audience, you cannot see Brandon. Brandon is not a tall man. He's not a short man. Yeah, I am. You're not that short. Yeah, all right. I mean, I'm not that tall either. I'm like average or slightly below average. Yeah, I made my peace with it. You lived in the land yeah. of the tall people for too long, also in Sweden. That's so. true. That's true. Yeah, bunch of giants over there. <laughs> yeah, just like staring at people's belly buttons in the subway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what can you do? Yes. All right. So where the where are we? <laughs> we got off on supervillains. Villains are. I mean, that's. I think a lot of people have said right. Villains and evil and that kind of stuff is sometimes a lot more the interesting part to look at right. if you do it well. Right. You could just do it one dimensional as like a straight up bad for sure. person, or whatever, and it's not interesting. Um, but yeah. there's more ways I think to work in interesting characteristics and storytelling sometimes on the the antagonistic yeah, people side. People love the bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, okay. So, all right. I guess we've been mostly focused on boys. Yeah, how are we going to break into Watchmen here? I, mean, I guess there are some of the same themes, but the, of course, big real change with Watchmen is that almost no one has superpowers in it. Right. 
that was the big deal. There's one super powered person and that's it. And they're really not in this Watchmen until the last, I don't know, few episodes. Yeah, that was that was the comic too. I was dealing with people who were uh vigilantes who kind yep. of sometimes they had money, sometimes they just kind of trained and developed a personality and a you know, junior crime fighting type outfit. Yeah. Uh yeah. but it wasn't they weren't seen as people that were different right. in a yeah. kind of power way. Yeah, I mean the only real power that any of them had was anonymity. Right. Right. They're basically outside the law because they wear a mask. Yeah. So they can do things that other people can't, just societally speaking, right? Yeah. And I thought that was a really interesting theme. So I should say for people who have read Watchmen or are going to read Watchmen, the original graphic novel, it's fantastic. Highly recommend it. Um, and if you liked it and you're wondering if the Watchmen HBO series is worth watching, I would say absolutely mm-hmm. yes. I think totally. it does a good job of picking up on those themes like the masks that Brandon just mentioned. Um, it picks up on those themes that made Watchmen the comic Watchmen. Like how did it look at power? How did it look at you know the way people are under masks and you know good and evil and the law and justice and all those things and kind of took each of them and instead of trying to just redo it, like it didn't do a J.J. Abrams and just <laughs> sorry J.J. I right. really hate on you all the time, but <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> um, it didn't just try to like do it again with updated visuals and you know right. twenty forty years in the future or something like that. It decides to like run with those themes, and so I really yeah. liked listening to the podcast that they did with the show, mm. um, where it had Damon Lindenoff and um, the the host of the podcast. I don't remember his name, mm. uh, but they dived into a lot of themes. They kept on bringing up remembers those. <laughs> he kept on bringing up like the themes they did in the writers' room and the ones they picked up. Ones like masks. Time, right. time was a big one in the original Watchmen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like those kind of identity, uh, all, lots of different dynamics that were like the themes, and used that to say what's the story today. And I think that's why it works so well, is that it yeah. looks at these themes like right now, what are the issues in the world in the U.S. right around police, yeah. around race, around all sorts of different stuff, and just like really explored it from the opening scene. Yeah, it was so like freakishly prescient about that too. Mm-hmm. Like it came out before all that shit started to go. I mean, before you know the last episode right. of it publicly happening. It's been going on for a long time, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, it's crazy relevant. I think. Yeah, one. Yeah, let's talk about the the masks and anonymity stuff mm-hmm. a bit more. I I think. It's a good connection to the boys, too, because I do think it's sort of a response to power dynamics to have that kind of thing. Yeah, it's great. Like, the uses in Watchmen are on both sides, too. I mean, really, the masks were first the superpower for the the regular citizen, Mm -hmm. but also that the the police ended up adopting it. There was this whole thing in in the Watchmen series that I don't think happened at all in the comic. I don't remember it anyway. That the police were being targeted because of whatever, and in order to survive, they adopted the mask wearing thing too. Right, which was like a crazy shift, and it's so different and like weirdly opposite to what we're kind of experiencing today. That you know you want accountability in the force, right? You want you know, body cams and people, people really want this, right. For the people that are out there enforcing to be 
responsible and accountable for what they do. Right. And this completely takes that away because they're in danger. Uh, Yeah. Which is, that's a lot. Yeah. You, so you, you learn this in the pretty much the first few scenes, the first part of the, the first episode of the HBO series that something happened in the past in Tulsa. So it takes place in Tulsa, which educational for everyone to learn more about what happened in Tulsa way back when. Uh, the mm-hmm. destruction of Black Wall Street and the massacres there. So it takes place there, and you know what they say is that something happened. Um, you know, it's a present day show. Something happened, whatever, five, ten years ago, where the police were attacked, and so now they wear masks for their own protection, so people don't know who they are. Which, right. yeah, it starts being a little backwards. Like, is it if you get pulled over by a cop, then you might be nervous for whatever reason or scared. Like, if they're wearing a mask, and you can't see their face. Right? What does that mean? Right, like, right. how does that play with dynamics? How does it play with how free they feel to do stuff? Um, whether or not yeah. they're accountable in some other way through whatever video footage and badge numbers or something. Like, the fact that people are behind yeah. masks, like, that's what the show explores a lot, um, picking up on that theme from the, from the comic. And it's, it's fascinating, right, to think of, you know, what is that world like if cops have masks? And it's right? supposed to it's, be for their safety. Like, it's such a game changer that, like, government transparency is so fundamental to the way that it works right now. Like it, that it matters so much to us to like be able to have access to, you know, where, who's getting funded by who and who's doing what all the time and who, who is, who voted for what, like that stuff without it. I mean, this is an entirely different system of government. Yeah. It comes, it comes back to like, I think power a lot, right? The idea that we want to know who Congress votes for, because they mm-hmm. represent us, and we should know who gives them money, what do they vote for, and that's the big debate over a lot of what happens in the U.S. in terms of who finances campaigns, who lobbies, how much money is spent. Like we should know that people want to know that. Versus mm-hmm. like when we vote, no one should know who I vote for. And I think right. that kind of gets yeah. like the power thing, right? I'm I am not the power, right? I can I could be right. that could be used against me. But a congressperson right. needs to be held in check because they have power. Right, so right. they don't deserve to be anonymous in those things, right? In their public duties, at least. Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, so like you should be shielded from people with more power than you, <laughs> but yeah. not less. Yeah, is that possible? Is that some kind of crazy? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that the problem in the Watchmen, right? Was the I mean, the the event John's referring to was some terrorist strike on police where they killed a whole bunch they targeted known police people and killed them and that's prompted the whole anonymity deal and that was from people with less power presumably right these were just citizens with no you know actual powers and then they just went crazy so in that circumstance it wouldn't have helped right you have to the (laughs) anonymity was put in place to protect them with people with less power than them which is the weird twist here right it doesn't feel right right yeah and that of course has um i think one of the more prescient elements of the show too is not that this Mm. is new of course there's always been anti-government efforts and people want uh to you know bring down whatever the current structure is for good or bad reasons legitimate or Mm. you know questionable concerns but that's one that's really Mm. grown in the u.s and elsewhere in the world of these movements that want to um some who want to destroy the police because they want to have a race war and a second civil war and are just mm-hmm. the crazy right-wingers and those who have good reasons for wanting to get rid of policing as it is right now because of the kind of terror that they 
enact on people, right? Less privileged right. people, especially. Um, so those are movements that exist for a long time, but suddenly come a lot more public and mainstream and relevant in the U.S. on these different sides, right? Not that they're the same yeah. at all. I don't want to equate them at all because yeah. one is like crazy, bizarro, ridiculous, right-wing absurdity, and the other one's like <laughs> legitimate concerns for making the world better. Right. But this idea that this has become something that we're talking more about has become more mainstream. And Watchmen, when it was the TV series was written and come out, kind of toys, plays with that. Right, the idea of the police and the power they have, and whether you know that's a good or a bad thing um, yeah. from nefarious sides mostly. But yeah, that's another theme that's that's become very, very relevant recently. Yeah, boy, shocking. Yeah, they really, yeah, they managed to tie that in so well, and it was crazy too that in the TV show they managed to make the terrorist organization be basically tools of the like plutocracy. <laughs> right. Right. You know what I mean? They're like unwitting puppets of the lady who wanted to get God power with trillions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Which is again, a nice kind of taking it out of the headlines and seeing when groups are organized and funded by, you know, rich groups and people who want something mm-hmm. else. And this is, you know, these groups looking for that is just a means to their own end um, or doing things like, uh, what is it called? Astroturfing, right? These fake grassroots organizations, right? They're really well-funded by billionaires right? Um, because whatever they're doing helps them push the laws and other stuff they want. Right. Right. Crazy. Ugh. Yeah. I, I was hearing some podcast the other day. I actually listened to another podcast. That's what you cheated on us. (laughs) Yeah. They were talking about Ezra Klein or something about this weird tension between the plutocracy and the extremist type of people like this uh, Mm -hmm. and how plutocracy just wants to remain the plutocracy, right? That's their only goal. And, so they end up supporting these sort of terror groups and weird side causes as a, I mean, for them, it's a means to maintain power, right. To like mm-hmm. just sow chaos and distract everybody right. uh, while they continue doing what they do. But it, at some point you can't really support these terror groups without them getting what they want, which is not, I don't think jive with the plutocracy either. They're going to start a war, which is going to destroy the foundations of capitalism anyway, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, so it, it's a funny tension, right? They want, they want to help them, but not so much that they actually get what they want. Right. They want to be able to crush it and control it in the end, no matter what. Right. Like yeah, do exactly. enough to placate them or be able to neutralize them, you know, like keep them as a tool you can use, but not let them right. actually get power. Right. That's what, if you're the few right. in power, the elite, that's what's most scary is the fact that you are few. And right. they are many. Yeah, it's a it's a great lesson to that side too, right? Like, if you want to have an ally that has that's a superhero that has untouchable power, like you got to realize that their goals aren't your goals, and and the the main thing they're ever going to care about is the maintaining of their own right. power themselves. Right? That you, you're out the window the second you threaten that. Yeah. And you have to really think about if your long term goals are in are compatible with theirs. I, don't know, I mean, it, yeah. It's a good history of people working against their own interests, <laughs> but yeah, I wonder if that gets through. 
Probably not. Probably, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we're natural. People are naturally willing to divide themselves and have in-groups and out-groups. And that's what a lot of this plays on, right, is, you know, don't let everyone realize that they don't have the power and they're all poor compared to the people who have power and money. Let them see the right. differences in the tiny differences in wealth, the differences in race or other stuff, right? That's a way to divide, to divide that. And that even itself is used in the opposite way where people who want to say, oh, we have a lot in common, we should work together and try to hide those differences mm. end up not you know, talking about the real problem, right? So people talk a lot about class. And yes, it's a real problem of people of money and don't have money. Um, but you can't use that to ignore race, right, in the U.S. Like, so sometimes it's used the other way to say like, okay, let's, we don't have to see race. Let's just see that we're all poor. And there's mm. power in that, but there's also a way of erasing the actual causes and legitimate concerns. Right. Yeah. If if your real concern is disparity, then you need to like not ever focus on one form so much that you block out others, right? It's yeah. They're all part of the same thing. Yeah, and that's what uh intersectionality is all about is invented, right? That you can't uh you can't stop mm. being part of your identity. Right. You're always this mixture of things. Mm. There's always all these other causes. So right. Naturally, it's a complex problem, and there's a lot to involve. You can't just ignore one from right. the other, right? That's not really right. going to solve your problem either. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I should say, since uh, Watchmen deals a lot with, the TV series deals a lot with race and racism and a lot of those issues, the main writer and creator of the TV series is not a black man. He's a white man. But he you know, did a lot of his homework. He and the podcast he mentions like all the different people involved in the writers room to like you know help make this authentic make it real um so it was like something you see and it's like wow like someone mm-hmm. who could really put a voice to this to really tell it as a story and do a lot with it even though it's not his story necessarily he hasn't lived it, he doesn't right. know it that way but it comes across as someone who has writers like told in a way that helps you right. understand so, that it yeah it does seem i don't know did they make it at all after any of the recent real bad events in Breonna Taylor and stuff, or this was all made before that? Yeah, I think it was all finished up before then, definitely filmed and written before then. And of course you can draw on, I don't remember in the, in the podcast, if he mentioned any specific instances that happened, like you could just go back to pick a year, pick a place. Um, And I, I know that he mentioned you know, the Tulsa massacre. And that was something that Mm. when he learned about, he was like, why aren't we taught this in schools? Like, why don't people know this? Why is it kind of forgotten? It's such a huge event Mm. like that this happened, um, you know, a hundred years ago. And so I think that's like really got into him and that's how he started like Mm -hmm. this exploration. And that's why he started the show on that and put it in Tulsa and kind of wanted to use that to echo down. But I don't remember in the, in the podcast, they mentioned other specific events they drew upon in terms of, uh, yeah, police right. violence or, or anything like that. Right. Um, obviously, right. it's a theme. It's in there, but I don't mm. remember any specifics being modeled after right. it. Yeesh. Yeah, I wondered too. Like, oh boy, I mean, uh, it's so relevant. Like the the anonymity and stuff. Like releasing the officers, you know, or punishing the officers who did these crimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you start seeing that with you know, police covering their badge numbers or wearing masks to hide their identity or like kind of unknown, whatever government forces, police officers in whatever it was Portland and other places like that is terrifying, 
right? Like this is someone mm-hmm. who can legally kill you, right? And face right. no re- repercussions. And right. you don't even know who they are now. It's right. like, that should be terrifying for everyone. Um, police are already terrifying for a lot of groups of people for basically the same reason, for good reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But now, yeah, when you see that, it's, yeah, it's eerie seeing the, the kind of watchman parallels there. Yeah. And it's crazy because on the, on, the, on the same like breath that I can say we should have, we should not have anonymity, I can say that it's really important because of, like for the, the average person, right, there are gigantic companies that make tons of money from knowing exactly right. who you are all the time when you, sh- you know, it's, it's maybe not to your benefit. Mm-hmm. And, and then the anonymity seems important, but it's just such a complicated deal. Like, when is it, when do we need it? When do we not? Right. I think some of the problems come from people want to try to apply these blanket rules of anonymous or non-anonymous and trying to use yeah. it to their, their own ends, right? Like law enforcement wants people to be able to communicate in a way that they can detect them, right? So like right now we're talking on signal which is end-to-end right. encrypted. There's no way, assuming everything is you know, hunky-dory, mm. there's no back, you know, bugs or anything like that, there's no, one, no way for mm. law enforcement to hack into it and find out what's happening. Uh, right. There's other ways. Okay, but the actual protocol would be safe, right? That these mm. aren't stored. Um, right. And law enforcement's been having, and, and in other countries too, been having big fights over having backdoors, being able to see into encryption, that people can't have anonymous, unrecorded conversations, right? Right, um, and that's also should be scary because, yeah, the argument is always like, well, if you have nothing to hide, why are you scared? Like, yeah, right. Like, no, that's not that's not the argument. That's not the point. It is the right. Worst. I know you should have some privacy. <laughs> you should be able to do that. And you know, these fights over and it also ignores like, well, you know, your law enforcement, your government, you have powers beyond a regular person. You can do things. You can find out information mm-hmm. and do all this without that. Um, and that's, and it's also like on a science end, since we are a science podcast, right? Mathematically, right. there's no known way to have like an encryption backdoor that then isn't open to everyone. Right. Right. It's not right. like, you oh, I'll just give an extra key. Selectively. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll give an extra key to my neighbor uh, or I'll give an extra key yeah. to the cops thing into my house. No, it doesn't work like that. Right. It becomes yeah. a hole that anyone could find out, right. Or get that right. key, then anyone can get in. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's just so arrogant to like make that statement, right. That, you have nothing to hide, so you don't care. Well, it's also like, like that. Yeah, the people who say this, would they want everything they do to be public and available to everyone? Of course not. No yeah. way. No fucking way, right? It's just, it's, it's what we should want from, you know, the people we think are criminals and the regular people, you know, they don't yeah. deserve that privacy or like we have to, for their own good, have to know what's going on. Yeah. Um, no, it's the other way around. Like for our own good, we need to know what law enforcement, government, people like that is up to. Um, right. That's the way it's supposed to work. But that's, you know, they don't see it. They see it as scary that people can communicate without them knowing, or you know, they want to know everything. Even if that doesn't really work, right? That's what we saw with the the Snowden leaks, where they, you know, hover mm. up everything. Like they didn't actually get valuable information that way. That's usually not. You know, it's too much. Right. Oh, I mean, it's it could be secret stuff we don't know about. But generally speaking, like that hasn't been effective. Um, yeah. That's a lot of false positives, man. <laughs> it's all false, right? You're looking for a rare event, yeah. right? That's the whole point. You're looking yeah, exactly. for a very rare event. <laughs> yeah. The statistics are not on your side. It's just math. Not, not at all. Yeah. Yeah, but I really, that, that line, I wish I had like a better definition in my head where anonymity is warranted and where it isn't. Someone has 
figured this out. I'm sure I'm just ignorant. <laughs> like, I'm sure there are whole books about this. <laughs> like, I just make up shit like no one's ever thought of it before. <laughs> that's a debate that's very relevant, right? Because we have, we no longer live in our little villages with a handful of people, or in cities, right? You can be connected to millions, billions of people. Right. So, like, these questions are, yeah. you know, the consequences. Right, it's much more weighty, different. yeah. It's like a statistics game even, right? Like anonymity becomes more and more important the more exposure you have. Yeah. Right? You weren't, yeah, anonymous to your village, of course, but, you know, like maybe your village didn't have the one in 10,000 people that just murders people with blue eyes or whatever, you know? Like <laughs> like as you increase, yeah, that that scope, the you're, you're more and more endangered, yeah or people that are predatory or whatever, right? Like it's just sheer exposure is, is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. So question for me then we're all over the place usual, but do you think the superhero franchise will withstand this? Was this the death knell of the like Marvel, et cetera, enterprise glut of movies or, is this just a hiccup for the disaffected margins? What you mean? You mean Watchmen and Boys or the pandemic yeah. or? Well, yeah, well, there's that, but I mean Watchmen and Boys. I, no, I don't think so. I think they're going to keep going until the movies aren't profitable. And then probably right. a few more movies beyond that. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think also like the lead time, I don't know. I haven't looked at the their calendars, but obviously mm. they completed with whatever it was, Age of Ultron, Ultimate Avengers, Guardians, finale yeah. or whatever the fuck it was called um that completed like their marvel cinematic yeah. universe phase whatever yeah. they're up to so like it told a, a kind of a complete thing and now they're kind of doing more so yeah. these movies are so big and have so much going on they must be you know start pre-production really early um, mm. but i wonder i mean with the pandemic probably a lot of places are reevaluating or you know because things yeah. have to be rescheduled like does that make you take a bat a look back and say like okay what's going to be profitable maybe there'll be more yeah. you know maybe the escapism angle is just what it's people go for you know people yeah. want to see that how do you get people back into movie theaters you show them spectacle and the big stuff that is not the same mm. on your your tv at home yeah um yeah the escapism makes sense yeah i don't know i, I mean i'd love to see you know more i mean i love the marvel movies i don't agree with I guess we could have talked about that. Was it Martin Scorsese wrote that op-ed in the New York Times? Hmm. Like, was it earlier this year or last year? It was basically a couple lifetimes ago about how, like, you know, the Marvel movies and all that stuff isn't movies. Like, it's not films. Right. And, like, part of it's easy to dismiss it being like, oh, he's just being, like, elitist. It's not art or something because it's popular. Um, but, hmm. I mean, he had some points in there. Um, but I still think it missed a lot of the idea of movies often being escapism and showing things you can't you know, do otherwise and kind of things right. you do. It doesn't have to be deep. It can be fun and stupid uh, and all of that. So mm. I don't know. They just, they made so much money. I don't see it. I don't see it going away. Right. Oh, the, I don't know. So there's part of me though that, and this might pass, that has this feeling of the things that happened that we were watching and enjoying pre 2020, basically pandemic, et cetera feel sort of gaudy and yeah there's a funny feeling about it now like i yeah. 
I feel sort of guilty about watching stuff like that. Like we were just whistling by a graveyard, you know, it was just like, right. la la la, nothing bad is happening. Ha, ah, like monsters yeah. get beat up, you know, and then like just <laughs> this shit. Or like, I feel like guilty for the escapism, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so they seem a bit distasteful to me now. And I don't know if that's going to pass once I like feel better about myself or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if yeah. anyone else feels that. Definitely be interesting. I, I know I've seen plenty of articles and, you know, what people are reading and watching. Sometimes, yeah, going for the escapism, sometimes leaning into it and watching the post-apocalyptic stuff because sometimes you just want to, mm-hmm. you know, see it even worse, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> value what you do have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that changes, right? If if some things will just go back to the way they are or some things will learn and kind of move in a new direction. It'll be interesting. Right. All right, well, whatever. We're out of stuff to talk about. Stay tuned if you want to hear excerpts from John's diary. (laughs) I'll start reading from page one. Dear Diary. (laughs) Please do it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Don't forget to check us out on our website, tangentspacepodcast.com, or on Twitter, at the Tangent Space, or email us, tangentspace at protonmail.com. Watchmen had its its own kind of humor too, like Lube Man. We never talked about Lube Man. Maybe we should just end oh, up Lube Man. I forgot about Lube Man. <laughs> the guy what who just the appears fuck in was that? one scene, running down the street in like a silver spandex, and then puts oil or lube all over himself, and then slides into a sewer grater. <laughs> and that's it. Grade. You never find out anything ever again. What was that dude? That was amazing. I love it. They didn't try to build a mythology around him or like that a backstory. Great. It was just a rando. It was very lost. Yes, right. We pulled it off, right? What the fuck was that shit? Just atmosphere, yeah. I liked it. Liked it. Good mystery.